0: Hello and welcome to Cool Sheets,
1: where we sift through the noise so you don't have to.
0: You'll hear all about 10 things that we are currently enjoying in our lives.
1: Each of us has exactly two minutes to dive in and tell you about one of the things we've chosen.
0: It might be a book, an app, a gadget, a place, anything goes.
1: Don't forget to get all of our show notes on our website, coolsheets.cool.
0: You can also interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: Let's dive into our Cool Sheets. Hello. Hello. Hi. Are you here? I'm here. Nothing. Oh, hey. There you are. (laughs) Another smooth transition (laughs) by yours truly. Uh, My name's Brian Hart, in case you want to know who's messing up
0: here. I'm Karen Holman. Today's my day not on the board.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We can tell. (laughs) Everything's going to crap. Okay, well, should we just... Get started,
0: yeah. I don't think we have any announcements. Nope.
1: All right, I'll go first with my first cool sheet, and it is a recipe kind of following up on my salsa verde. This is a chili verde recipe, on with the instant pot, is kind of the key to this. You can probably do it in a slow cooker, but why would you when you have an instant pot? You have one now, right, Karen? You can answer afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> this is super easy. I first found the recipe from Serious Eats. So one of my favorite former Cool Sheets, Kenji Lopez-Alt. And then Chef Steps kind of modified it. So two Cool Sheets came together to make the ultimate Cool Sheet recipe. And But Kenji said, and I agree, that this is maybe for work versus flavor ratio, the best you can do. So minimal work and amazing flavor. And it's true because all you do is throw all this stuff into the Instant Pot, seal the lid, cook it for 30, 40 minutes, and you're good. And it's just uh, four pounds of pork shoulder, three-fourths pounds of tomatillos, two-thirds pounds of poblano, some Anaheim peppers, serrano peppers, white onion, garlic, cumin seed, kosher salt, and some cilantro. The chef steps added a whole lime and... Used the bone, so didn't do boneless pork, but did bone in and put the bones in there to get that collagen going on. And they added the green ingredients last, so the cilantro. And the green onions, they added green onions too, and also added hominy. And after you're done cooking it, you take the meat out, you blend it up. And when you do the vegetables last, it makes this like nuclear green, super vibrant, kind of like that salsa I showed you. And it is delicious. I've been eating it seriously for a week straight every night, lunch and dinner sometimes. And it, I love it. It's chili verde. <laughs>
0: Okay, and are you now going to reveal this <laughs> jar yeah, of chili like verde for me? Yeah,
1: the one? No, because
0: I ate it all. Oh, come on. You've got it me I'll somewhere. show you a
1: picture.
0: Uh, Isn't doesn't
1: even worse because it looks delicious. I know. And, Amazing. I love Uh,
0: all that. And I love hominy. I don't get hominy very often. I know. You know,
1: I've never, I don't know if I've ever had hominy. And then now I've had it like five times, of course.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Because I've been making it. I've actually made it a couple weeks now, but I've made so much for this most recent batch that I'm eating it pretty much
0: for lunch and dinner. So you made a whole bunch and are you, have you been keeping it in the fridge or did you freeze some of it? I or? didn't freeze
1: any because I uh-huh. knew I'd eat it really yeah. fast. It's just so – it's seriously so good. Sometimes I even add a little rice to also put put that over it. You don't mm-hmm. have to have it with the hominy in there. You don't have to. And then I also take the salsa that I made and put that on top just for like extra verde goodness. Yes. Um, but you don't even need it. It's so flavorful. And – One of the things that I ran out of time that makes a big difference, always use fresh ingredients, of course, Mm -hmm. not like – uh, and not even like ground cumin that you can get on the spice rack, but whole seed, uh-huh. roast it on the pan, and then crush it with a mortal and pestle. He even said that even crushing it and smashing it releases more flavor than shearing it with blades like in a spice grinder.
0: Ooh. So even
1: that. So definitely check out uh, the show notes for the kind of in-depth how to make this uh, recipe. Yeah. Just really pack a punch.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you said uh, time versus flavor. So how long did it take you?
1: I mean, it only takes, you know, it always says, oh, it only takes a half hour, 45 minutes. It took me maybe an hour from like start to finish. That's like Mm -hmm. grabbing the ingredients out of the refrigerator, cutting them up, which you don't, you barely have to do. And then you cook it. You do cook it for 30 to 40 minutes. So then you're not, you can do whatever else. You can go read a book or do something else. And then you just take the meat out. Use an immersion blender or put it in your Vitamix. I've done both now. Mm-hmm. I think I like the Vitamix better. You just have to be careful using hot liquid in a Vitamix that can oh. explode. So you fill it about halfway. Mm-hmm. You take the little notch out and put a towel over it so it has some a uh, place for the the heat and everything to kind of escape so it doesn't just build pressure in your vacuum sealed Vitamix and then it just explodes and hot. Liquid goes everywhere, which is not only hard to clean, but can burn the heck out of you. Yeah. So, yeah, those are some other little tricks. So, I mean, really an hour front to back, but with half of that time yeah. being inactive where you can do whatever you want.
0: Very doable. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. And
1: so, for something the last, you know, three or four different meals, yeah. at least. Uh. Depending on if you do share it or not.
0: <laughs> yes. Or, um, I mean, it sounds like a great thing to do if you were going to a potluck and you yeah. wanted to contribute yeah. to feed people. So. Yeah, it would be a awesome. hit for sure. Ooh. And
1: you can, of course, use in different chilies, adjust the spice level mm-hmm. um, to how you like it or how your guests might like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. You know what else I like about hominy? What's that? Saying it. How many, how many, how many, how many? <laughs> it just like rolls off the tongue. It is. It is very cool. Ah, <sighs> okay. Yeah. Wonderful. I love it. I want to make it. You and should. all I have to do is go to coolsheets.cool and click on <laughs> the links. So maybe get that Instant Pot.
1: One of these days.
0: Oh man, I still don't have one. So I did see one on Facebook <laughs> Marketplace that was super cheap. Someone selling theirs, but it was all the way out in Dallas, and I was like, "Yeah."
1: There's going to be a lot on sale for you know Black Friday and right. Cyber, whatever Saturday. Yeah. Much as I'm kind of against those, but you can get them at, and really Instant Pots are on sale every other week practically. So,
0: so, so what that, would be what would be a price where it'd be like, yeah, I should.
1: I mean. You can almost always find them for eighty bucks. They're usually a hundred bucks, so on maybe on the super sale, it might be seventy. Maybe they don't right. go much lower than eighty or seventy. But gotcha. But I mean, for a, I mean, I literally use it at least once a week. So for me, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, once you right. get it. You just fall in love with
0: it, right? <laughs>
1: more and more and more. All well, the and time. then
0: I <laughs> would, I would get rid of my rice maker at that point that I use yes, for. It could. I
1: use or that all like the I time. Or like I moved my rice maker to work. Actually, I did get rid of my big one, and I still had a small one for work. And then yeah, and then my instant pot. Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure. All right. Okay, my first cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about a human, this amazing person. His name is Gabor Mate, and he is originally from Hungary. He was born nineteen forty four, so right around World War II, he then immigrated, his family immigrated to Canada. He is a physician. Um, his background is in family practice with a special interest in childhood development and trauma. and is it is not a coincidence that he has a background um, in terms of his family. He is a Jewish survivor of the Holocaust. His maternal grandparents were killed in Auschwitz. And um, when he was only five months old and his aunt disappeared, his father was in forced labor under the Nazi regime. So there was a lot of trauma. And so that spurred his interest. He always wanted to become a doctor and he did. He focuses a lot on mental health and um, ADHD and addictions is a huge thing. So he is actually within... The last 10 years, um, he became interested in how psychedelics can help addictions. And that's something we've talked about. There's been Tiddick Salem talk on that. And um, he actually had to fight against the Canadian government who wanted to arrest him for helping people try ayahuasca to help with their addictions. That was working and all sorts of things like that. So he has some amazing talks. There are so many YouTube videos I had a really hard time selecting which ones i'm gonna have links to i have two one is an interview with tim ferris and so it's two hours if you really want to delve into all the different things he has to say regarding families and childhood trauma and then how you can look at your past and your relationships with your family and look at yourself as you are now and so many other things and then um his ted talk does talk more about the addiction side of things gabor mate
1: yeah very cool I think I've heard that one on Tim Ferris.
0: Yeah. It. is it with two people? He well it's just Tim and him and oh, okay. he uh he appeared in Oh yes, Tim's now I do remember. It. Book. Yep. The um what's the book called with uh Tools of Titans? Maybe? No, the um Mentor's one Tribe of Mentors. Tribe of Mentors. Yeah. He the Gabor Monte was Mate was one of his mentors. Who, oh cool. who was featured in that book. So yeah, just amazing and he just came up randomly to me um where you know YouTube makes suggestions and yeah. I was like who's this huh <laughs> And it had an intriguing title. So I started watching and I was like, whoa. And the more I read and listened and he is just really awesome person who has gone through tons of struggles himself and he doesn't hide that. He puts it all out there. And so he's not pretending to be, oh, I'm an expert because I'm so smart. He's like, I'm an expert because I have gone through tons of crap myself and dealt with my own demons and And then he's just – has become so wise because of that and very um, eloquent and and articulate. So very helpful person.
1: Very cool. I do now remember that I did listen to that Tim Ferriss uh, podcast, but I need to look at more uh, about him. Yeah. Yeah. It is super interesting. For sure. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, My next school sheet is a website and a YouTube channel. You can go to both, and it is called Story Booth. And I'm surprised that I haven't heard about this before. I think I heard about it a couple months ago. It was for the first time because it's everything that I like. It's shared stories from people around the world, and it's just Completely everything I like. Plus, it has 4.5 million subscribers on YouTube and 220 videos. Uh, They post new videos every Tuesday. And what I like about this is you can submit a video. It's – okay. First of all, it's for teens – which is very cool. So it's not for adults. It's just for teens to share their stories. You can upload it. You go to the website. You can upload your story. And then they have a team of animators, and then they animate that story. And so the video is the cartoon kind of – Playing out this uh, story from a teen. And it's just great because, first of all, I love hearing teens talk about their life since they can essentially remain anonymous and they release uh, or they talk about things that are very personal to them. Some things are a little lighter, like Halloween, don't judge my costume. This is a, a girl that dresses up like Abe Lincoln and people are making fun of her. And she's like, Hey, I just like Abe, like back off. Uh, once my first kiss was so awkward, uh, Stranger Things episode. So, this person was in one of the Stranger Things episodes and it was like his dream come true. But some of them get really, really serious. Um, I sent pictures to a boy I liked and I shouldn't have. I lost my hair. An older boy took advantage of me. I was homeless. My friend was shot at Parkland School in Florida. So they get really serious. So it's not just all for entertainment, but it's very personable. It shows kids that they're not alone in the situations that they're facing in their life, and it can be super, super valuable story booth.
0: (laughs) Oh, that sounds amazing. And, you know, I'm continually surprised at... How mature teenagers actually are, because we, we often dismiss them as like, uh, you know, but when they are talking about something serious or something, you know, close to them, they have already learned a lot about life. And not that they don't have a lot more to learn as we all do, but it's, I love hearing their perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in it, but it is a fun mix of, they're very much teenagers, and it's very raw and unedited. So there, there's a lot of which even we struggle with sometimes with likes and uh, you know, and their grammar and just the way they cut. It's very much like they're talking to their friend, but that's also why I love it. But yeah, their experiences are very real, very emotional and raw, and yeah, they deal with all kinds of things. With 220 videos, I mean, it's a. I would think it would be a great. Tool to share for kids. Like, if I don't have kids, but if you did, you know, to have them look at this and you could find a video that maybe something that your kid is going through and they could relate with other people, possibly. Mm -hmm. It's just great. I love that this is happening. And that it keeps happening and you can share more and more of these stories around yeah. the United States.
0: So this is the raw footage uh, of in terms of audio. Yeah. And But then it's animated along with it. Okay. Correct.
1: Yeah. Cool. I mean, and they, it's possible that they edit the story as well. I don't know. Mm. But they they definitely would only edit it for succinctness and maybe time because mm-hmm. they're relatively short videos too. But they don't cut out the filler words yeah, or yeah. things like that, the personality <laughs> of the kids, which I actually really like. Yes. Yeah.
0: Nice. <laughs> I have a student who gave a presentation and she said, like, a lot, like a lot, <laughs> I just said it, yeah. um, a lot more than usual. And so I pointed out to her, you know, to give her feedback. And and she said, oh, I know. And I, I know why I do it. And it's like I, and then she goes, <gasps> okay. And then and she and then she like couldn't talk anymore because she kept saying like every time she opened her mouth. And it was so I, I almost felt bad that I pointed it out. But she anyway, it'll be interesting to see how she does in her next presentation. <laughs> I hope it doesn't like make her freeze up or anything. <sighs>
1: it is good to know these things, I think. Definitely. Uh, yeah. You want things to sound real and accurate, mm-hmm. but I do think that there—you can always improve as well. So, yeah, I know I struggle with like is one of my biggest ones. So, I—I I, and the first time that someone pointed it out, I didn't take it so well internally. Uh-huh. I kind of denied it. I got a little defensive, uh, but I remember it forever. <laughs> but in a good way, I yeah. think it does help. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah.
0: Well, and a little bit of history on Cool Sheets. When we made a demo to submit to the programming committee, we got some feedback. And they said, you say incredible way too much. You need some new words. And we were like, what? Oh, my God. After yeah, we, listened we listened to listened it. We <laughs> were like, yeah, we sure do. Uh, so then then that became our joke word. Yeah. And, then, and now we've, I don't. I don't know if we. I don't know if it. we
1: say yeah. For a while, it was a trigger. Like every yes. time I heard it, we would look at each other in the booth, yes. and so yeah, we'd do it on purpose yes. and emphasize it. So if you ever want to, if you're ever really bored and you want to go to past episodes, and whenever we say "incredible," it's usually with some extra emphasis uh-huh. as an inside joke.
0: Yes, it could be a drinking game. <laughs> All right. My next cool sheet. I don't talk about TV shows very often, but I am today. This is my newest, favoritist TV series. It is called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And this is an Amazon original. I don't know if I've ever watched an Amazon original. Actually, I don't watch that many series. So this is definitely to capture me. I need to um, first be convinced by somebody. And then I need to sit down and watch the first one. And then if I'm uh, hooked, I'll keep watching. And this one has stood the test of time. So this was created by Amy Sherman Palladino. And it is starting Rachel Bresnahan I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's set in the 1950s. A very well done story. So you have many of the elements of Mad Men also um, in this 1950s genre. But this story, which I also enjoyed very much, um, but this goes deeper in different ways, and I like how it's done better. It's much more from a female point of view that might play a role. The lead here is female, but it is also um, a lot of Jewish culture is infused into this. So this is new, set in New York City, and this woman who's in her mid twenties pretty much has everything you would want if you were in the 1950s, a Jewish 25-year-old woman. So she's married and she has kids and she has very nice things and she does everything and everything's perfect. Her husband um, is interested in comedy. He tries it out and he bombs And feels really bad about it. And then some things start happening and she discovers comedy. And so this is essentially the blossoming of this woman who wants to be a stand-up comedian in the 1950s. And that's all I will say about it from that point of view. But um, there's so many things just in terms of the culture and someone coming into their own and discovering things. And um, that's so well done and funny. And I really enjoy it. Great acting. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that show, but I have not seen it. I think it won a bunch of Emmys or something. Too. It did.
0: It won yeah, some stuff. So, um, I think so it won. I've heard
1: it's good critically mm-hmm. and fan approved.
0: Yeah. And I was actually convinced to watch it by my two kids. Oh, cool. Who both like it. They're oh, wow. teenagers. They both like it for completely different reasons. Oh, neat so Dean likes it from like cinematography and acting Uh and stuff Julian likes the social commentary and the humor and anyway I totally dig it
1: that's great that's really cool and then now you can all watch it together.
0: Yes, exactly, which is nice. Yeah,
1: that's very cool. There's not many shows that are like that. I
0: know. Out there for everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know
1: if I'll get to watch it, though. There's too many shows. There
0: are There are too you know, many. Disney Plus
1: is coming. And oh,
0: I really? I bought it
1: and The Mandalorian.
0: Oh, my gosh. It
1: starts in like a couple days. Oh!
0: So I'll see.
1: The rest of yeah. the world later.
0: Why are you busy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, no more new shows, unfortunately. Not yeah, after that.
0: no kidding.
1: Okay, I am going to go ahead and go to my next cool sheet, which is a company and it's called Emergy Foods. And this is funny. This was not going to be my cool sheet today. And I just looked at it this morning and started reading about it and I was blown away. I'm like, okay, I guess I have to talk about this. So we'll see how my research goes here. On Tuesday morning, they, uh, Mergy Foods, which is based out of Boulder, Colorado, announced that they're doing a startup and they're going to release a brand called Meaty Foods. So this is in the plant based alternative to meat like Beyond Meats we've talked about and Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers and all of those. This is a new one, but this one is interesting because it is fungi-based, which I've never heard before. That's very different from a lot of the other ones. They're mostly plant-based. They're, you know, soy or pea protein or a mixture of all of the above of different plant products, but to kind of create this this kind of almost ground beef-like texture to them to make the patty where this is and it's not like mushrooms this is mycelium so this is what happens before mushrooms it's also one of the biggest organisms that grows the fastest and it has a tons of health benefits so supposedly this is supposed to have all the nutritional full uh, full protein all the amino acids of beef and more fiber and all the nutrients of plants Sounds like a miracle, and this cool sheet is either going to be, I'm going to be super smart because I talked about it before the company even really has product to show people, or it's going to be a joke in a year (laughs) and goes belly up. We'll see what happens. But they say that they can actually replicate the muscle, like tissues and fibers of the muscle tendons even, and all kinds of wild things that that plants just can't do. So this is going to be actual steak like T-bone steak from fungi, which people are really going to have to get over. Check them out, Emergy Foods.
0: Yum. And I can say yum <laughs> because I currently get something called corn. Q-U-O-R-N. That yeah. is this. it's fungi-based. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. So I am super interested in how this is going to be different. I think it is because – this is from mycoprotein, they call it, so from fungi, and I don't know at what stage they're at. But this is more of I, – I don't think this is going to have the texture of the one you're talking about, mm-hmm. but it's really good. We, My family, we get – they're like chicken patty things and chicken nuggets and meatballs, Yeah, and they're really good. Um, but so it's more of like the – ground up kind of feel. Yeah.
1: Where absolutely. it sounds
0: like this company is trying to do more some more with the texture.
1: Yeah. I mean it looks like
0: steak. That's uh-huh. what they want it to look like. Yeah. But the taste is great, so I yeah I think people are gonna go for it. I'm super. So is it out? Like, can, no, okay. it's not.
1: It's not out at all. In fact, they are giving some samples to like reporters that come in and okay, and I listened I read a whole article about this person that went there, and they they were honest and a little critical. It's like you know, mm-hmm. uh, the texture is definitely different because. The reason why they're ground up and kind of in these patties or meatballs or whatever is because that structure of a, a raw piece of steak or not a raw piece of steak once you cook it. But that yes. the fibrous and the way that that feels is really, really hard to duplicate. Yeah. And the other thing with my, mycelium is it doesn't really have a lot of flavor. So they do have to add mm-hmm. other plant-based, but they say it's only like eight ingredients, all natural. But it can be grown in a lab, which is also Interesting because that means no farmland, you know, where you don't have to uh, grow these alternate plants. That still takes land and water and soil and things like that. And they're Trying to figure out how they can integrate it so they can actually use like byproducts of sugar water from beer making that they throw away and then they can actually Mm -hmm. use it. So it can be almost like a a closed loop cycle.
0: Oh, my gosh. And that
1: could really save all kinds of environmental and – but they definitely have to work out the taste. Yeah. They said it was it wasn't bad. I can't I can't find that article right off the bat because I want to show you though. I mean, it looks like steak cut uh-huh. up in little pieces, but it's it's like a brighter pink, and mm. it was like a little uncanny valley, actually. Yeah, yeah, and, right. kind of. and same thing with the taste. And also, they say plant-based, but mycelium isn't plants. It's a right. fungi. Right. But that's because when you say, oh, a fungi burger, people get really grossed out.
0: Yes, right. A
1: lot of people don't want to try it, and that's the whole point of this, is to mm-hmm. convince the meat eaters. And it's always funny, because I talk to my vegan friends, and they just are baffled by the whole impossible burger and all these Attempts to make things look, taste, feel like meat. They can't figure it out. I'm like, this is not for you. No. This is is for the meat eaters that will never, ever, ever eat a Boca burger until it tastes like, feels like, and yes, bleeds like meat.
0: Yep. They will true. never
1: ever switch. Mm-hmm. It's just the way we're wired, and primal people will not get rid of that until we perfect it. So I'm just glad that there's more things happening. And oh, more companies sure. like working at this and it just I thought it was really cool so yeah it'll be interesting in you know a few years they did just raise I think 10 million in funding and things like that and they're they're trying they'll they'll slowly trickle it out to a couple restaurants in Colorado mm-hmm. and see how it goes and then hopefully be able to expand once they have more feedback but they're it's an ongoing recipe still at this point too that they're yeah, cool. tweaking with so
0: I love that idea especially like Boulder Colorado there's so many microbreweries yeah, there, exactly, and to have like them side by side, or they could even have their own brewery, and then you know, like you said, closed loop, like yeah, and they could have like yeah. the and, mushroom beer or whatever. and
1: well, and it was interesting though because even the uh, they they interviewed another scientist that the dealt with food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know how that would work. I don't know their whole process. So even that had a little, and of course, they don't want to reveal everything they're doing because True. it's kind of patent pending right now and their secret recipe type yeah. thing. So that was interesting too. They This article went in really in depth about Their first experience, you know, first just talking to the people, then going there and trying it themselves, then talking to a different scientist and how would this actually be possible? Is it true? Mm -hmm, But, you know, mm -hmm. miso, uh, soy sauce, all of that works on, they use a lot of those kinds of processes where it's, you know, that's all flavored by fungi and mold growing on things and
0: fermentation. Yeah, Yeah. fermentation
1: and cheese making feeds off sugars and waters and things like that. So it's not like it's a toy total foreign mm-hmm. process, you know, this is feasible and yeah. mushrooms are definitely, I'm super into mushrooms. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I yeah, really that sounds great. Yeah.
0: yeah, Cool. And I think people get over the fungi thing. Just, I mean, mushrooms, people like, lots of people like mushrooms and yeah. anyway. All right. Uh, my next cool sheet, I'm going to be talking about a YouTube channel. It is called Ours Poetica. And hours, as in hours, O-U-R-S, not hours in terms of time, Their, um, mission here is making poetry personal, um, putting it in the hands of people who love it and, but also exposing it to people who might not necessarily be into poetry. So what this channel does, um, they have new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So three times a week. And this is, has been produced in collaboration with the Poetry Foundation. So I'm sure, you know, their mission is get poetry out to the masses, get people like it. And so this was one of their ideas. First off, each video is quite short and it features someone who is either well-known in some way, so Hank Green is in there. John Green is in there. Or they are YouTubers themselves. Or they could be authors. They could be poets um, themselves as well. What they do is each person goes on and they they choose one poem and they will read it. And they explain a little bit of why this is important to them. Either the poet was important to them or this particular poem did something in their childhood or, or whatever it might be and then they read it. And so the, the video is actually just the words themselves, but not it's not just a picture of the poem of all the words at once. They reveal each line as the person is reading. And what I have found is that I think when I'm reading, I get really distracted by the next line that's coming up. So I'll almost speed read without fully absorbing the whatever the sentiment is of that line that they're reading. And so they have forced me to slow down and really listen and think about and feel what is being stated in that line. I think it's great how they're doing this. And um, so I really like it. And I'm not any big poetry fan myself. So ours, Poetica.
1: That sounds really cool. I have really been kind of getting into poetry almost like on the backdoor side uh, You know, I never really read poetry before, mm-hmm. but I love like performance poetry. I kind of talked about that before, the poetry unbuttoned yeah. and, and things like that. And this sounds really cool. So and it seems like it's kind of getting more accessible and more interested or given to people in different methods. Yes, to, exactly. You know, so then you get mm-hmm. it. You kind of get it, what it's all about. And it's actually really cool. It's something yes. that I have really enjoyed yeah kind of you know figuring out and
0: right i think that is the key and it's really with anything everyone has a different way of learning some people yeah. are more visual or tactile or they have to do it or whatever and yeah i think for so many of us the way we learned poetry was freshman english class and you know you had to read these and analyze them and and if you weren't into that Which was probably 80 percent of people. (laughs) It's like eh, poetry, you know, eh, you know, maybe you don't hate it, but you're not into it. So, yeah, the more different kinds of ways you're introduced to it. There was
1: also like the beatnik, you know, Uh like the guy with the smoking jacket and beard and very, you know, (laughs) that's not your scene. And most people are, you know, it it was almost a joke.
0: Well, I you mean, know. and some people, I mean, this is the thing, though, some people like got into it because oh, yeah. of that. Yeah, sure. But then a but whole bunch a of people. it was a minority of people. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very much a, and that's just a sliver, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and and it's, it's funny because, you know, hip hop is essentially poetry and yeah. a lot of music is poetry and right. life is poetry, really. So it's kind of funny that I haven't really given it a, a chance until the last few years uh, recently. So, But I'm glad I did. Yeah. Nice. Okay, my next cool sheet is a podcast, and this podcast is so good. You're going to love it, Karen, and hopefully all of our listeners. It's called Shortwave. It's new discoveries, everyday mysteries, and the science behind the headlines, all in about 10 minutes. And it's every weekday, so it's five episodes a week. It's by NPR, So it's quality. It just started, so there's only like 20 episodes right now. But I started listening to it and I listened to the first like four episodes and I was like, I am in. This is going to be in my new daily rotation where it's automatically downloaded and I'll listen to it on my commute either to or from work. I cannot wait. Uh, The host is Maddie Sophia and... It's just so good. It's super upbeat. It's very informational. Of course, it's sciency stuff. So it's all the things I like. And I've been trying to kind of get rid of some of the news, daily news podcasts that I listen to just because it's so overwhelming and unrelentless on all the bad things that are happening in the world right now, which can be important. But sometimes I just want to just listen to some really good stuff. And I do like the positive spin on this uh, one of the first episodes was Kicking the Habit with Shrooms, so we just even kind of talked about that today. Uh, another one is a squishy science behind ASMR, which was a she episode way back at episode 11. They just interviewed Kaylee Swift, who is on episode 114. It's like this podcast was made for this show for us but probably for everybody else, also the mind-bending ascent of helium, which I know you would love, and you probably have a tons to talk about. Treetop Barbie was an amazing episode. Every episode I've listened to, I have liked so far a lot. Check it out, Shortwave. Oh
0: my god! While you were talking, I went in and I subscribed, of course, <laughs> and I scrolled through, and I was yeah. like, "What?" I know. What? I was like, "Oh, she's." peeking ahead. Uh, I did before I reveal it. I totally cheated. I don't <laughs> even care. Um, yeah,
1: it's so great.
0: Oh my gosh. So so great. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I am in. You'll love it. Woo. Yeah, um yeah, helium everything with helium is really bizarre um, yeah I can't wait to hear what they say about it and I saw the title of something that said something about crows and I was like I bet that's Kaylee <laughs> of course
1: it's Kaylee of course
0: oh man we'll also awesome. be a Teddick Salem speaker shameless plug Woo-hoo! January 4th 2020 2020 yes because you know all the people in the year 2030 that are listening to cool You're sheets like, I can't wait yeah, yeah and they'll yeah, be like oh, oh but, but they you can, can see it online exactly <laughs> all right fabulous Fabulous. I love it. All right, my next cool sheet, I have an article. And (laughs) this is called Why do women use so many exclamation points when we communicate and then question mark exclamation point. I as soon as I saw the title of this, I was like, Oh, man, I got to read this. And um, very short article. So I'll summarize it here. And And it's, I know that I do it. It's so funny. I I know that I do it. And when I text, I, and I, in fact, I try to like reel myself back and not put an exclamation point. And then I look at it and I'm like, no, I got to put the exclamation point. I do it. So um, in any case, this, um, this article acknowledges that and then talks about a few different studies about uh, gender studies, women versus men. In 2006, a study showed that women use exclamation points in their emails significantly more than men in an effort to appear friendlier and other studies like that. So in part of this study, um, there was an explanation that men have more room to appear unenthusiastic (laughs) than women do. And it goes through just kind of an analysis of this of, you know, just what would it be like if you didn't use an exclamation point in your responses and what How people might perceive it and why we choose to do it. So, in the end, um, the conclusion she came to in this article is that there's really no way to win. So you use them too much and you look unprofessional, and if too little, then you're seen as cold. And so, you know, you just do what you're gonna do. And I just say, uh, f it, and just do whatever. And that's what I do. And and then I love how she finishes the article. Thanks so much for reading! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point.
1: <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, so I've had many conversations about this subject, uh-huh, actually, uh-huh. with people quite a bit. Because, yeah, a lot of people and the use of it and overuse and is it good or is it bad, all of that, all of the things you just covered. And my definition was always like, whatever, if it makes me happy and expressive and more expressive, I'm fine with it. But I know someone that one time stated on Facebook, everybody uses exclamation point way too often. It should never be used. I will never use it. Like from now on. And I always watch their posts just to make sure it's a man, <laughs> you know, and he does not – he never uses it. And I'm like, you know, I get it. I do get and especially – I think it's context too. Text is very mm-hmm. different than a, a work letter. Yeah. So am I'm mm-hmm. if I'm emailing a client at work, I'm not putting three exclamation points unless – I know that client really well and I'm being silly on purpose to build rapport and it, but like genuinely building rapport or something like that. But most of the time it's pretty professional. Yeah. And certainly the first time I meet them or, or correspond with them, but yeah, with texts and with, People that you're friends with, yeah. And I've read a similar article where it's like, if you don't do that now these days, you do. Like people are like, hey, what, what's wrong? Yeah, you you're mad like, at, you no, mad I said me? I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't put a, a smiley face or a, a <laughs> right. swish. So I thought, you know, are you mad? You know? Yes. <laughs> what yes. I do? It's true. It's the world we live in now, so we just have to deal with it. Yeah. And I, whatever, I'm totally over the the ridiculousness of it and just embrace it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, I will also say just my personal experience is it's not necessarily gender. No, I mean, that's, I,
1: yeah, it's funny because I yeah. always do it.
0: Yes. Mostly yeah.
1: on purpose, too. Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes like way too many on purpose for right. effect. You know, <laughs> like that's my point. Yes. Is that it's like,
0: wow, it's uh-huh. crazy. I know. And it is fun. <laughs> it's fun to have fun with emojis. Yeah. And again, not with your, you know, some professional correspondence you're doing. But right. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting. <laughs> um, And and also you get to know people's style. So if I have a friend who never uses punctuation or whatever, and that's how they're I'm not offended. But if there's a friend who always does and then they stop, then it's like, oh, um, okay, maybe they just messaged me quickly. They were in a hurry or and then you kind of see what's up. But um, yeah, people have different styles.
1: My last cool sheet is an event. This happened on Friday, October 8th, 2019. And it was the first time ever an all-female spacewalk. So it was a really cool thing that happened. Astronauts Christina Koch and Jessica Muir uh carried out the first all female spacewalk they were floating in the international outside the international Space Station and installed a two hundred and thirty pound replacement battery charger in the lab's solar power system so this was the first spacewalk for Mir, and she's only the fifteenth woman overall and the fourteenth u s woman to do a spacewalk so this is both a very amazing accomplishment that this happened. And also kind of ridiculous that it just now happened in 2019. It's actually, it's kind of embarrassing. The first female to do a spacewalk was 35 years ago. So obviously that was with a man. And this is the first time in 35 years that two women have done it. I mean, and even when they got congratulated, of course, this blew up in the media, even the White House said congratulations, and they replied, uh, thank you. We don't take too much credit, though. There have been many female spacewalkers before us. We were just doing our job. And then they said, you know, but then again, we do recognize that this is an amazing accomplishment. We don't want to minimize that. But they kind of had that point, and other spacewalkers and and women astronauts have also said the same thing, especially because NASA has basically just said, well, we've only had one medium spacesuit, and that's why we haven't been able to do it. Super lame excuse. They're supposedly going to make new uniforms that will be out in 2024. So another five years before we get them, but it finally happened, at least it happened, the all-female spacewalk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so funny throughout the course of the two minutes you we were just talking I was like doing happy dance and I was rolling my eyes and I was like yeah. getting the chills it was and a loaded getting... cool yeah sheet. seriously <sighs> uh but yes I did I was I, I was happy when I saw that um yeah in the it's news, always but... good
1: that it happens even if it's Way too late.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Like one of your last one of your cool sheets a couple of weeks ago about the uh, Native American, you know, that finally got a seat. Yes. Things like this. I mean, it's it's embarrassing at the same time, yes. but also we should celebrate that at mm-hmm. least it is happening. Um, For but not sure. just like pat ourselves on the back too much, right? Because <laughs>
0: like, we're so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's that...
1: like this should have happened a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, it happened. So that's is that's good.
0: Yeah. Okay, my last cool sheet. This has helped so many people that I know personally, and many beyond me. So this is a resource if you lose your pet, which can be extremely traumatic. The website is pawboost.com. This is a way, and hopefully if more people know about it, then that is going to help the resource. But the way that Paw Boost works is they are connected with Facebook. So they are using Facebook as a double, triple, well beyond that um, resource to be able to get the word out. And it is extremely fast to get started if you have lost your pet in terms of going to the website, like, you know, so many times to register for something, you have to go through all this stuff. So they make it, they streamline it. They make it very quick. You, of course, do want to have a photo of your pet handy. So I just wanted to put it out there always on your phone. Usually people do, but just make sure you have a good picture of your pet. Um Maybe it goes without saying, but uh, so that in this event you can share quickly. In terms of what they have accomplished so far, they have reunited over a half a million pets with their owners. That is amazing. I also want to say that this is a resource for you to use if you find a pet. So um, the friends that I know of, That Some have lost their pets, but some have found pets down at a park, and then they've used this, and it has worked. And so the uh, statistics are something like nine hours, like 80% of pets um, are found within nine hours. And so you really want to make sure it happens within that time frame um, because the sort of uh, chances decrease after that. So pawboost.com. Wow, Pawboost. All right, cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cool Sheets. You can find out more about all the cool sheets we listed by going to our website, coolsheets.cool, and looking for the links.
1: That's coolsheets.cool. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave comments for us on Facebook or email us at info at coolsheets.cool. Bye.